Another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes and clicking write a review. You give the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so, and that will help propel the podcast into the tops of those iTunes charts, making it more visible for strangers to find and uh, just giving it some more national and international exposure and is great for the growth of the show, a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing in a free way and uh, just helps with exposure for all of the artists that come on to share their music and stories and whatnot. So it's, uh, it's good all the way around. So if you've got the two to three extra minutes to do so i would appreciate the hell out of you for doing it and uh appreciate you just for tuning in and uh you can also check out the dan cable presents youtube channel which features a bunch of in-studio performances live show performances am i saying performances i don't even know if i'm saying performances today anyway there's those things are there and you should check it out and there's a bunch of uh bunch of different styles of music on there and um there's like 150 videos so tons to check out there you can check out dan cable presents i can't i don't think i'm saying full words today when i say the piece but you can check out dan cable presents presents dan cable presents.com now i'm saying it really weird dan cable presents.com is the central location for everything and uh, the new episode always fires up there on Friday as soon as it's available. But if you click subscribe wherever you're listening, then the new episode will pop into your feed as soon as it's available as well. So uh, so do that. And check me out on the old Instagram at Dan Cable Presents. That is where I'm most active on the social media is usually trying to share up local shows or just letting you know who's coming up on the podcast and uh, all that all of that jazz, all that real smooth jazz. Anyway, dude, episode one ninety. Episode one ninety is what's in what's happening today, and uh, Maita is on the show, and I'm super excited about that because this band, a Portland, Oregon-based band, shreds, and uh, we spend a lot of time talking about their new record, Best Wishes which isn't due out till April, but uh, we get into a lot of it because I had the opportunity to uh, to get a sneak peek. And by uh, sneak peek, I mean I got to listen to the record a whole lot, and it's really fucking cool, and I'm pretty stoked about it. And uh, I can't wait for uh, people to get to hear all of the tracks on it. There's a couple of the tracks are available right now on the old streaming services, and we're going to feature both of those in the episode so if you dig what you hear you should definitely give Maita a follow wherever you're listening on Spotify or iTunes these are free ways 
to uh, help support artists by following them and giving those follows on their social medias and uh, growing those numbers for them. That is, uh, that, that is what helps them get uh, more visibility when those, when those numbers are stronger and uh, helps them find playlists and new listeners and things of that nature. And uh, so much of that music is free these days. So, uh, you know, show your support by doing that. I will make sure all the links are in the episode notes so you can, uh, you can find the Mita stuff easily there. And um, so we'll get into that. But 190, man, we're just we're just counting down to 200 now, and uh, it's kind of wild. I'm uh, I'm not sure what's really in store yet. I'm I'm planning away here for uh, for this this episode 200 that's gonna creep up on uh, early early next year. I think February is when 200 will be out if I know how to do math somewhat correctly. Then uh, eight weeks from now, we're going to be in the month of February, which is also wild. Um, but I'm super stoked, man. I'm, I'm super, super pumped. Um, I think it's, I don't know, 175 consecutive Fridays or episodes, somewhere in that range, have gone on. And uh, I'm just super stoked that people want to keep sitting down and having these conversations with me. And uh, it's definitely provided some some very cool opportunities to uh, to meet some folks and uh, and get to know them and learn about their their tunes a little bit more and where they come from. And uh, also have just created quite a few friendships from starting this podcast. So. All of that is very rad. Also, what is very rad is the, the fourth annual Dan Cable Presents Holidays Party is going down on uh, December 27th at the Alberta Street Pub, one of my favorite venues here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, so that's going to be going down on December 27th. And Colt Crimes is on the bill. And Stress is on the bill. They will be on the podcast soon. I think uh, probably... Do something with London from Cult Crimes prior to the holiday show as well. But uh, so look forward to that and uh, more to be announced for the bill. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very stoked that that is happening once again. I've been trying to uh, kind of throw this end of year celebration every year for the last four years since starting the podcast and uh, meeting a bunch of bands around town. And uh, we're doing it again. The fourth annual. It's happening. So if you're around Portland, Oregon for the holidays, I hope to see you there. It's going to be a real banger. Anyway, we're going to get into episode 190 with Maita. Um, this band, I saw them a couple weeks ago for the second time over at Ron Tom's. And their set was so fucking cool and uh, just tons of energy. Maria's songwriting is so good, and uh, yeah, just a really engaging live show, and, and her all the dudes in her band just seem to be super all in, and we talk about that a little bit, that kind of infectious energy a bit in the conversation, and um, I was telling her about her, her bass player in Nevada, watching him kind of do some singing um with no mic in front of his face just kind of singing along during all the songs and and that is something that i always find to be 
very cool as uh, as an audience member to see someone without a microphone that into the tunes that they are also singing along and uh just the whole set he looked like he was having his having a blast and and the whole whole band did and the the band like shreds the yeah it's killer it's killer and like i said we talk a lot about best wishes which is um the record that will hit in april and i know that's several months away at the moment but um hopefully it's a a cool preview and gives you reason to be super interested in the record and um you know we get into the uh the songwriting history uh per usual as well so so all of that is there and there is uh there's there's music available on the streaming services from this band so uh check out the previous ep the waterberry ep which is uh out now and uh we feature geography at the end of the episode which is uh off that ep and then like i said a couple singles that will be on the best wishes record dropping on uh kill rock stars the kill rock stars label from portland oregon legendary independent label up here so that's really rad that might have just got uh recently uh picked up by them i think that's uh it's very cool to see a, a local band get signed um, especially by a local label. I think that, that probably uh, is inspiring to all the folks within that community, within the, the Portland music community that are, you know, friends of that band or or just aware of them to see that that is a, a tangible thing to uh, reach that, that next level. It's just uh, very exciting. So congrats to, to Maita. I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you didn't trample anybody during any of those goofy fucking Black Friday sales. And we are going to do it. Episode 190 coming at you. Mita's on the show. And we're going to kick it off with uh, the newest single from the band. There's a, a video for this as well that we touch on towards the end of the conversation. This is Can't Blame a Kid. Let's do the damn thing. My old friend, well, she used to be dick. She's got me. Oh, well. 
That sounds wonderful. All right. Um, you ready to do this thing, Maria? Yep. Um, thank you so much for for hanging out with me to to talk about your your jams. For sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I feel like I uh, I have this secret now. You get you let me listen to this record of yours that's going to come out in April of mm-hmm. next year, and um, yeah, I'm just super stoked on it. I feel like it's definitely one of my favorite things that I've heard uh, recently, and I would say maybe like this year, but I know that it's not, not like a this year's record, but I'm well, just... thanks. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's really rad, and I'm I'm glad I got to, uh, to listen to those songs and kind of see where things are heading mm-hmm. for the band in, in this project, and I got to see you guys rip at Ron Tom's the other night, and that was super rad. Um, it just seems like there's there's almost like this punk rock angsty energy to a lot of the new music that you're playing. Well, yeah, I mean, so I, um, yeah, I, I like, I guess I don't, I never really fancied myself as like a connoisseur of punk rock, like in the, in this genre, yeah. strictly speaking way. Um, but I like, I guess this, there's this like sentiment to the music right now that I, that I'm trying to kind of harness and that's more of a sense of like catharsis and acting and presenting things not because it's part of a formula, but because it's like exactly what you need to be saying at that moment. And um, and I guess there is a kind of like like an energy and a defiance to it that that feels really, really good because there's things within myself that I feel like I'm pushing through to get these songs out there and there's things within like my environment and my society that I feel like I'm having to push past to get to get these songs out and I guess maybe that's a kind of (laughs) punk rock thing about about the music for sure some some fuck you to it Mm -hmm. and uh yeah there there definitely seems to be a very uh a cool attitude towards it all and and the band that you have playing with you right now is is very cool and yeah, thank you. yeah, it's just a lot of energy to it. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's really exciting to see other people in your band that don't have a microphone in front of their face all the time singing along. Yeah. I think that that's like always a very telling thing to me of how much someone else in the band is into the music and engaged with it and, and cares to like, know the lyrics even though they don't have a mic in front of them their Mm -hmm. face and stuff like that right i mean i guess you know it's it's so hard because being being the songwriter in a group um and i I did start off from being just like a singer songwriter and adding more people to the band um happened a little bit later and so a lot the songs still like really originate from me and um and that's, I guess that's kind of a function of me being a pretty like private person when it comes to creation and making art. And the that is something that I think I, I value, but it's also something that I really like want to break out of at times. And, um, 
And I, one thing I like about the band is that even though they are songs that I've written, that I value what every single person in the band brings to the songs so much. And like maybe I wrote the lyrics, but they are doing so much writing and putting so much of their own flair and their own heart into it. And I guess like I, as much as is possible, I would love for for the songs to feel like something that 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 they are a part of and that we're all a part of together. So. Um, so I mean like and I, I groove along to like the drum parts that like my, like that Cooper makes or like the bass lines that, that Nevada plays and the guitars so like it yeah we it's like that's like that's kind of singing along to everything and that's all part of being in the same band I guess yeah absolutely and there's just like there's uh, I don't know just the cool moments of like gang vocals on like pay to play mm-hmm. or something like that mm-hmm. you know um, and yeah, I just think that's cool when you, like, invite that in and, like, want them to feel like they're a part of the thing. Right. And, um, yeah, because the, the character that they add is definitely, like, very cool. cool. And uh But I also feel like, you know, even the songs off of Best Wishes, you can still always hear the song in there. Like, mm-hmm. it, it never gets lost. Mm-hmm. That it's, like, built on the bones of the, those just the song Mm -hmm. which is like a very cool balance i think right yeah i mean i guess that's i would say that's the most important thing for for us is that the song remains the core the core of it and um you know like there's i i do feel like there's a there's a lot of opportunity to make really cool sounds and a lot of bands are amazing at that where they can create a sound that is just so iconic and so um like appealing and um seductive and like i guess that's that's like just one kind of band and i feel like with us like we don't we don't start from that necessarily we start from the song and then we see we see what fits what serves the song and the lyrics and the form of that so um yeah it's just an, it's just another way of doing things i guess yeah for sure um you said you're you're pretty private about like the the creation of of the song. So is that like something you like to do in solitude and until you have the song to a certain point before you reveal it to anyone? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I do it. Um, and I yeah I, I wish it I wish I could do it otherwise. <laughs> but uh, I yeah I have a big fear of saying things on the fly. Like that's why like talking into the microphone between songs is one of the harder things about being on stage for me <laughs> it's like because that's unrehearsed you know yeah so. yeah for sure no i think that's i don't know there's nothing wrong with that i think that's like super fair to like want to have the time with something before you reveal mm-hmm. it to somebody especially i don't know your your tunes seem to be pretty deeply personal so i think that's like a fair that you want to you know take the time with it before sharing it with yeah. others yeah, I you know, I think I'm also just like really I'm always very worried about saying the wrong thing. Um and like I do this in conversation too where um it just takes me a long time to figure out what I'm going to say sometimes because I like cancel everything out before it's before I deem it as acceptable. <laughs> and so like sometimes with my music I do the same thing and I just hide out and I write these songs and I need to like take several passes to make sure that it's all it all like 
feels like it's the right thing for me to be saying. That being said, sometimes I listen to that voice that's like, oh, don't say that. Like, that's, you can't say that. And then I have to tell myself, like, that probably means I should say it. <laughs> and so it's a <laughs> yeah. bad battle. Yeah. So there's that, there's that side of it too. When did you, uh, when did you first pick up an instrument? Um, probably when I was in fourth grade. Well, like, I mean, like, there's, you know, when you're like in first grade and you play the recorder, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but when I was in like, f- like third or fourth grade, I have, I think it was the Casio keyboard. It was like my, my mom bought my sister or my dad did a Casio keyboard from Toys R Us and I still have it. Um, but I kind of hijacked that toy and I like started learning piano on it, just teaching myself and I would teach myself by eye. So it had this like little like tiny little like screen on it and you could have it play like classical tunes um and then it'll light up like the keys on the screen to show you where to put your fingers for each so I didn't know how to read music I just learned memorize where you put your fingers and I guess that's kind of set the tone for the way that I play music (laughs) because after that I took a violin and I always played by ear even if I had like sheet music in front oh, of me <laughs> like, um, and guitar too. Like I, and then that's what came next. And it, it's always been a lot by feel. Yeah. Were you mainly just kind of learning covers then on that, that first keyboard? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think I wrote a song on the keys until later. And I, I never play. It's not like something I would consider to be a, a song that I I'm proud of, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I I actually am tr- I'm planning on trying to do that next month, do it, some piano writing. Is the is it when you picked up the guitar then then you started writing music? Yeah, yeah. So that was like there was always a guitar at my house, but it was like when I was like fifty, like you do that thing where you start learning and teaching yourself, and then you would give up like when you got to bar chords or something yeah. and then you would come back to it a few months later and start from scratch and then quit again. And so that it was like when I was 15, it actually stuck and I actually was able to learn past bar chords. <laughs> <laughs> were you pretty uh, quickly writing songs after you figured out some chords or were you still kind of just learning different covers and whatnot yeah it was pretty fast I mean the covers I was learning they were like covers of like indie folk songs of like the the mid-2000s so it was like super easy chords with super like average singers and a lot of words it just was a really accessible yeah palette to like have to start writing songs you know so for sure did you kind of always have that urge to want to express yourself like with your own tunes um yeah I did. I think it took a long time for me to feel like I was any good at it. Um, Like I did a lot of like writing when I was a a kid and like I did a lot of fiction writing and I would write stories and I wrote like chapter books um, just after school and didn't show anyone ever. Um, And then songwriting was just kind of a new way to tell a story, but a much more personal way. And um, I think I... Like, I always knew that I liked it. It was just a matter of whether I believed in my ability to do so. <laughs> so Yeah. I would imagine, I don't know, writing writing creatively and, and stuff gave you a lot to draw upon then, too. Mm-hmm. Having those 
those past writings. Yeah. I mean, it made me more comfortable with creating a world that wasn't necessarily my own, which is, you know, ironic because the songs are very much a lot of the times my own world. <laughs> but I guess anytime you write a character in a story, you're you're writing yourself into it as well. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean definitely one of the things I dig about your songwriting is is your ability to tell a story. So that definitely seems to be there. And yeah, I'm just I'm very uh very into the the songwriting for sure it's it's uh like your vocal dynamic and and delivery and everything i think is just so cool and your ability to like all of the ups and downs that happen throughout the song and kind of uh i don't know i, th I feel like there's these moments that are like very dark and heavy and you're able to transition into these moments that really like open up mm -hmm. and let it breathe and i think it's just like very unique in the way that it happens and and just very moving i'm i'm very i'm way into the music mm. so well thank you yeah i just appreciate it quite a bit have you always been did it take you like a while to get comfortable with kind of bearing your soul in front of people and and playing the tunes in front of folks? Um, playing the tunes, yes. Bearing my soul, not really. Uh, like, I think I was really able to separate my my songs from myself, even if they were about myself. Um, so I've never really felt that feeling when I'm playing of like, oh, this is very private. Like, <laughs> I don't like know how to share this um, because more more than likely, like, if I've already written it into a song, I've already made peace with the fact that I'm going to be singing those words. And if they're hard words to sing and I've decided to go for it, um, that becomes a form of catharsis where I'm like, this is when I'm going to like, I'm more excited to do it than anything else. To actually play, that took a lot of coaxing um, on my part. I like, it was an open mic and I was the first time I ever played live um, was for this literary open mic that was held by my high school. And I was going to play like some, like I was going to play Elliot Smith's song Between the Bars, which is like what everyone was playing at the time. And um, also pretty wild that you are now on, on that record label. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's, that's, that's weird. But, <laughs> but so yeah, I like, I had this song ready and I was going to play it for the first time and I was really nervous and I like had my, one of my best friends at the time, she um, was like, well, you, she, well, you can play it for me first. And it took me like legit, like, 10 minutes of sitting in front of her in silence before I started the song. I was just sitting there like getting that first note out for that first person ever is the hardest thing. Like just the one note like <laughs> to start the song. Yeah. Even if it's someone that you you like love dearly. So Sure. Yeah, it's a different level of uh vulnerability mm -hmm. I think to do that in front of somebody. Yeah, it's just a it was just a plunge. Like you just have to take it. And it was hard. It was hard to take. But, um, and I was shaking so hard. Like, you know, you, you don't have control of your, your mouth. Sometimes you're just shaking and your voice is shaking and it's just, it's so weird. Yeah. You know, you don't like really understand how to control your dynamic in, in yeah. that setting yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. Has that happened to you? I feel like it's. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
I I don't play like music out and about too often anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but like my thing is always that like I feel like I do it a certain way in my living room when no one else is around. Yeah. And then when people are around, it's like never quite the same. Or like it takes right. a while to lean into that. And and I think like a few years ago when I was like playing in front of people all the time, uh-huh. it obviously gets like more comfortable and you finally like start to figure some things right. out or or it just becomes more natural but like taking a break from that for a long time or like trying to do that again is like can be a weird thing or just yeah just playing in front of people in general right like especially if it's like a one-on-one situation like no matter how well oh yeah isn't that you worse? know somebody you're just like i don't know if i'm uh like I'm, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this the way that it's intended to do. So we right. don't, we don't need to do this. Yeah, um, it's always hard. It's always hard with a small audience. I think. It's, yeah, it's just a different level of intimacy, mm-hmm. and you can see everybody's face. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So what happens after that first open mic that you decide to take the plunge on? Uh. Do you start playing a lot out after that, or kind of pursuing the songwriting? Um, so that was in high school. I think I had another year of high school left. Um, and probably like, I think I performed at like a couple graduation things. And for a class once I wrote, I wrote, I wrote a song and played it in lieu of a essay. And that was really successful for me. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I think it was when I got to college that I really started to, um, come into my own in so- with like performing and singing songs like there was like a college open mic and then the Portland open mic scene once I turned 21 because Portland sucks for people under 21 um unfortunately did you grow up here I grew up in Eugene okay so yeah. close enough yeah yeah uh, um did you start with was the finger picking something you started with mm-hmm. yeah that was my that was the base of it all was finger picking for sure um you know, because if you're listening to like, like, like Iron and Wine and Bright Eyes and Death Cab, like when you're like 14 or 15, like well, you, those are the songs you're gonna try to learn. Like it's just, yeah, you know, like that's finger picking. Like, absolutely. So. Um, and then, did you have some other projects then before you started? Maita? Um, no, I, I never, I mean, I, w- I was just performing under my own name. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, I never really joined bands both until like I have until this most recent band, um, probably because I wasn't confident enough to feel like I could offer a band anything. And I also like just didn't hang out with other musicians and, um, you just kind of like did the low key singer songwriter yeah, stuff and yeah. open mic kind of thing i wish i had joined bands when i was a kid like i would probably be a lot better at at playing guitar at this point if i had (laughs) but um you know it's a different muscle but uh you look super fucking comfortable up there like fronting a band so i don't know you you wouldn't be able yeah like how long has it been that you've been playing with a band now, like a couple years? Yeah, a couple years. The The first time we really played, I, I did like a couple full band shows for special occasions um, in Portland before. And then for this record, Best Wishes, which we re- we tracked out in Enterprise, um, it must have been like two years ago. Yeah, it was two. It was like two years ago that we tracked it. Um, and 
Yeah, that was when when we played with Cooper in Nevada, who who you saw the other night at Ron Tom's on drums and bass, um, and Matthew Zeltzer, who plays electric guitar. And um, so we tracked it for the record, and it felt so, it just felt so good. And it was kind of like, that was the first time that it really was like, this, all right, this is what we're doing. This is Maita Needs a Band. Like, this is how it's going to be, you know? Yeah. Is is uh, is Matthew the first person you started playing with then? Is he the first um, person that, like, found out about your songs, or how did that? Well, he's definitely not the first person who found out about the songs. Um, but I, in terms of, like, yeah, yeah, he's he's the first person I, I really started playing with, for sure. Um, we did the duo thing for a while where, uh, like, I, I backed him up in his band, and he would back me up in my band, and... Um, and it was definitely like pretty easy to tour with two people. Um, and then, yeah, that got really comfortable and it was just time to do things different, to take things to a different level, you know, bring in more people and more energy. Yeah. Did he kind of start to add to your songwriting at that point too, as far as the songs you were Uh, putting out at that point? yeah so i guess not like not not the songwriting like the lyrics in the song i would say like in terms of like when we when it comes to like arranging the songs for the album which ends up being like a a template for for playing the songs live because what ends up happening with us is like we tend to like record albums right at the beginning of of the life of the song and then we tour on them a bunch and then we develop like how we want the songs to be as we're on the road, but the template for it becomes like what we did in the studio and in the studio, we're all writing, you know, and, and, and Matt plays a big role in arranging the parts and like helping me figure out how it's going to sound. And so, and which is like just as important part of the song, you know, it's, it's, it's the sound. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, and he engineered, Oh, there he is now. We're just talking about you. (laughs) um he also engineered the record the water bear ep is that yeah 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 water bear ep gosh let me think yeah yeah he that was um it's kind of it's i guess both records it's kind of the the same for both records um john askew um engineered drums and bass for water bearer and then and then matthew um engineered all the overdubs and which is like similar like best wishes like uh our friend and musician bart budwig engineered all the basics and then um oh wait yeah yeah and then and then matt engineered all the overdubs so (laughs) it's it's a good team it's a good yeah they both both of them sound really great especially the best wishes so Thanks. great job, bud. <laughs> <laughs> you did wonderful. All right. So um, one of the things I really, really dig about the the new record, Best Wishes, is uh, it does have kind of some some very like rock and roll moments and some punk rock energy and some of the, the surf rock mm-hmm. comes comes in there. But it seems like um a lot of the folkiness mm-hmm. also you know overflows from 
the Water Bear mm-hmm. EP as well, and a lot of those moments are in there too. And uh, Japanese Waitress is is kind of one of those songs, right. um, and a song that we're gonna jump into right here. And I know this is this is uh, kind of an ode to the the serving industry folks. Right. Um, yeah, this is like one of the first songs. I saw you play actually oh, cool. when I saw you play at the library. Yeah. And this mm-hmm. was a song that definitely stuck with me. I was like, oh, this is like a really dark jam. Uh-huh. And I'm way into it. Um, yeah. Is there anything you can tell me about the Japanese Waitress Jam, which is on the, the Best Wishes record, Japanese one of the, the first jam. single that came out? Well, okay. I guess a lot of what I can say about it is like pretty self-explanatory if you just listen to it i just wrote it one day when i was at work and it was really slow and like you have the little the odor order ticking piece of paper um so i had all these words and i don't remember which came first but i was listening to um simon and garfunkel song america is that like like i and i like really i do i love that song and um, I love the writing on it, and I initially was like, wanted to write a song about like America today, like my version of it, um, and kind of use that song as an inspiration for it. And so, like, I took like the phrasing of it, which I don't know if you like can hear it, but it's it's like kind of similar to the phrasing of Japanese waitress. And I was like, and then of course I'll make it a minor key which I did. <laughs> and then I was like think trying to write about it and it's just too broad of a subject really. Um so I just it ended up pairing really well with with my like notes that I made about waitressing that one day that I was waitressing <laughs> and it was just like a, well that is an, that's America. There it is. It's right there in one shift. Like you can <laughs> see it all. So that's that's how the song was born. Right on. Well this is it. This is uh, a Japanese waitress. I thought the man would never leave His suit is from Texas Thermit bulge from the sheer size Of his body and pride He asked me when I would walk on his back I just had to laugh and fill up his glass at me when he says that his son needs a girl Like I wait around for duty to call on me But I must move on cause the boss says to evenly scatter my youth and my praise I must love them all the most and the same I hate pouring tea it's not what I studied to do I will pour the tea That's what they pay me to do You go, she waits for a man To buy up all her time She may not look it But she's getting too old for this 
Still she smiles when she speaks of her father her children lost He was a real rocket scientist Now she works her shifts and goes home and feeds her kids She will pour the tea, it's what she is trained to do Watching the blue sky like it was a prize Jose, you said my hands could be softer than they in fact are He tells me if I have a chance I must go be a star He spent 20 years building his dream on his hard-earned beaver tin Property says he's selling it soon He's scared of this country Says he's moving back south He's scared of this country I will pour the tea I know they will pay me I will pour the tea Cause art is not Tomorrow comes round too fast So Matthew, please, won't you pour me a glass Alright, so the recording of that song in particular is so good on the record and especially in headphones, which I oh, listen cool. to these songs a lot in headphones and when the percussion kicks in and the guitar gets all like guitars get all droned out and there's some like some synths in there and stuff like that or is it just like a bunch of guitars spazzing out so i think uh, i'd have to double check with with john who mixed it um but i believe he just took like some weird guitar like frequency ringing thing and then he looped it and then he played it and like the little like high like kind of like synthy sort of sound is actually just like he took that sound from the guitar part. Oh wow! The song. He's he's kind of a wizard at, <laughs> at that stuff. I so I think that's what what that was. Yeah. Um, but the interesting, I guess, like that's the only song on the album that's one hundred percent live, like okay. no overdubs except for like that mixing, like little flare that John put on it. Um, just the that was just fully like in the moment. Like even the vocals and the guitar acoustics, so um, yeah, that's the, the essence of the song. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, when like as far as the mixing process and process and and things like that, is that something that you like to sit in on and be super involved with, or do you kind of like to detach and? Well, um, I guess I would say that I'm, I'm. 
like I want I definitely like like Matthew and I are pretty involved in in listening to the mixes and then making sure that they they're the way that we want them to be. That said, like we really really respect John um, and his abilities, and we almost like he's such a skilled and creative mixing engineer that we tend to kind of give him the songs and let him do what he feels and it's almost like having another band member like it's like you we all play a part and then he plays his part yeah and i just i guess we just really like the way that he works and so we would prefer to just see what he comes up with and what his intuition is on the songs before we like have a, a vision for it ourselves like we might have a vision for it but you know we can always get there later like i'd rather see what someone else's vision is first yeah um can you kind of talk about the shift to writing some heavier jams that are like, yeah, just some of those, some of that punk rock feel and stuff and, and kind of how that came about? Um, I guess, gosh, I'm trying to think back to like the first song that I wrote that could really have like a big, like a rock sound to it. It must have been like about, at the end of college or like about like four years into my time as a songwriter, four or five. And I think it was pretty natural. I was never like, I'm going to write a rock song now. Like there was no moment where I was like, this is when I'm just like going to attempt to be heavier or attempt. I think maybe my tastes shifted a little bit and not that they shifted away from things, but like I just grew to like crave more dynamics. So like, the harder a song was like I valued that and then like the softer it was I valued that too and so naturally depending on my mood I think the songwriting just kind of followed yeah those those like I said those ups and downs I Mm -hmm. feel like are definitely all there and like the super heavy moments and then everything dropping out where it's just your vocal for a moment and certain songs like those are all the moments that are like I look forward to in those songs and stuff yeah well, that's and those are the moments that I've always loved listening to music. Like that, those are the moments that really get you. Is is the dynamics? So, um, yeah, it's, I guess that's natural. Yeah, especially like um, I don't know if all the titles are correct on on what you sent me, they but uh, <laughs> someone's lost their goddamn wallet. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like that, I think is like one of those songs that like kind of blows me away of like where the song starts in that introduction and where it ends up moving towards right. is is just so cool and and how those transitions flow. Yeah, that song was really hard. Um that was supposed to be on Waterbearer actually. We we recorded it for Waterbearer with the with the guys that we had on that record and it just didn't come together. Like it just didn't work. And then on this round we did it again with with uh with these guys with Cooper and Nevada and, and Matt again and it just um we were like pretty on the fence about it for a long time I'd like it was the kind of thing that like until we put all the pieces together and we really did it layer by layer there was just a point where we were like oh wait this song is actually like one of our favorites now like it went from like being like I don't know if this is gonna make the record to be like this is one of our favorites and it was it was totally like a paper mache like so you know that's kind of what it feels like sometimes but yeah that um, one stands out to me like as one of my favorites for sure yeah um I'm a huge Tegan and Sarah fan and that reminds me of some of their older records a bit oh that's funny just that vibe um, that's I've never moves into 
I yeah, my favorite. Um, I listened so much to what was the first one that really broke out? Um, the business of art, or the, it's probably the so jealous. So jealous. That's the one with ghost on it. Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. I, that was. I listened to that so much when I was first getting started and writing, like. And in the, in the stage where I wasn't even showing people my music, that was when I was listening to. They also like have a lot of those interesting transitions that I admire about your songwriting. Oh, cool. I think so. It's uh, yeah, it's definitely a vibe I get listening. So I I dig that quite a bit. Cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Just because I, I really haven't listened to them since that moment. I wonder. It's like Dude. kind of like the really the first the stuff that you're really connecting with early on like even if you leave it i feel like it just stays with you somehow you you're not like conscious of it yeah i feel like they have just have a pretty underrated catalog of mm -hmm. music and like what it evolved into now is much different than where it started and yeah there's oh, yeah. Just some like killer records that they made so yeah um but yeah i just think like the whole dynamic of best wishes and all of like the there's so many different kinds of songs I feel like on the record and but it all it all makes great sense together. Do you and think so? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's I am yeah, I've listened to it so much in like the 24 hours that I've had it and I'm just like very blown away by it. Hmm. like the songwriting um Darling Don't Take Me When You're Ready to Go is mm -hmm heaviest song in the <laughs> mites of catalog at this point in terms of like tone like like subject matter yeah, yeah. and just yeah overall attitude i mm -hmm. feel like is yeah that song is a trip <laughs> it is heavy cool. but also one of my yeah like one of my favorites and um yeah there's just some very cool moments in that song and uh that's like one of the things i dig about the songwriting and the songs on the records, especially on Best Wishes, is the anticipation that is built within mm -hmm. the songs of just waiting for it to break somewhere is just so good. Cool. And that is definitely like one of those those songs where it's just uh just again like the percussion is super killer on that one. And uh just how it all like develops and unfolds into these different moments and then when everything drops out and you start uh, doing the, the close your eyes, the storm will make you mm -hmm, blind mm -hmm. line, like from there out is wild. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just some very cool like vocal climbs on the way out of that song and, and stuff. Cool. Um, yeah. I just think like how everything is placed on the record is is very cool, too. Like that gets followed up by Pardon Me, Please, which I, I feel like is this nice like breath of fresh air after right after such an intense song yeah yeah i guess it does it's a pretty clean like calm song at the start of it it i don't know that one kind of climbs in intensity towards the end yeah, a little absolutely bit. um so and like since i know where both songs are going like in my head i'm like oh but that one's like kind of intense too yeah absolutely in my like just in my like you know brain I, I have it labeled that way but that's it could also just be like the content of the song as well is uh sequencing of records like something you pay a lot of attention to yeah we well we had a sequence that we really wanted and then um i guess i pay i pay a lot of attention to it but i'm also like pretty easily like convinced 
when someone gives a compelling argument. So like we had a sequence that we wanted and we felt really strongly about it. And we were like, this is the sequence. It's perfect. And also the way that the songs, like the length of them, we really had to keep it like be strategic about what songs were on what side to fit onto a vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. I was <laughs> um, going to ask you that. Yeah. Obviously yeah. you're going to put this out on vinyl. So yeah, you got to figure out that whole side B thing. Oh yeah. Of like what song it kicks off with. Totally. And that's actually something we didn't even really like, I mean, we thought about it, but it's um, once uh, we like started working with KRS and, and with Slim, um, he had this other idea of sequencing and he and we were like, oh, I don't know. But then like we heard him out and we were like, yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense. Let's change. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. So it was um, it's something I think a lot about, but I'm also not married to it. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, was that hard to kind of surrender to those types of things of someone else, like someone else's input that isn't in the band and obviously trying to help you along in in what you're doing? But Well, I guess you would think that it would be hard, um, especially since we've been doing it independently for so long. But I just really respect their opinions and they've been doing this for a long time and every and it never felt like pushy like it's it never with with us and with the label it always feels like a conversation and they trust us we trust them if we felt really strongly about it they would totally not push us it's completely up to up to us in the end um and just having that precedent makes makes actually makes me so much more inclined to like want to hear them out and potentially change our ideas just because like having that freedom to do so is great and and yeah, their ideas have been really spot on so far, and um, it's it's been a good thing, a good relationship. Yeah, how did the how did that all come about that you uh, are now on this Kill Rock Stars label? Um, we what did, we just like? Well, it's not like that interesting of a story, I guess. <laughs> it's not like there's like some like like fairy tale fable like sort of real life thing it was just like we started the album shopping process and like had some people like who had vague connections to certain labels like send out send out introductory emails and um Portia wrote back right away and said yeah I'll give this a listen and then we didn't hear from her for like I think three months or four months um so we hadn't really we'd pretty much written them off um, cause I just figured they're busy, you know? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. I mean, I assume that Portia gets a lot of those emails yeah. every day, you know? Like, I just <laughs> I've, like, I've sent her some like, of those of emails. Course, of course, you're busy. Um, and so when we'd finally, like, we just got a response back, we were actually recording the next album after Best Wishes. Um, we were in the process of recording that one. Um, and I just got this email from her and she was like, Hey, like, do you want to meet up and, and get coffee? And, um, I was like, oh, cool, right on. And I thought that it was going to be like a meet and greet sort of like, like maybe she was, she would like give us some advice and like, you know, I didn't know that it was going to be like, hey, let's like work together. Like we'll sign you and this, you know, it just like, that's totally not what we were expecting to yeah. hear. And so when we went out and, and had like tacos <laughs> and talked and like when that stuff started to come up in the conversation and like really be on the table, 
like Matt, me and Matt were both in the meeting. We kind of like we didn't even like look at each other or like <laughs> s- like sound excited. We were like, oh okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And then it's like, like it wasn't happening. Yeah, because we just weren't expecting it, and it was a surprise, and and like we didn't really process it, and like. You know, Portia said it so like naturally, like it was yeah. like you know, just like nonchalant. Yeah. Like, hey, you want to be? A- yeah, and so in this thing, <laughs> right? And so then, like, we left the meeting, and we got in the car, and we like kind of sat there, and we we're like, wait, did, did that just happen? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, and then after that, of course, it was a really long process with um, with the like changeover from Portia to Slim, and Portia going to her new job, and um. And, you know, stuff just takes a long time. And that's just something that you learn. It takes forever. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Portia is super rad. She has been incredibly supportive of this of this podcast. Mm, and cool. she's been a guest of the podcast. And oh, also cool. just like, I don't know, just like one of those people I've, I've been able to send an email to with some questions here and there. And, and she's totally like that type. Like, yeah, do you want to like meet up and yeah. have coffee or whatever or have breakfast with me? And I'm just like. Uh, am I going to have, yeah, I'm going to have breakfast with uh, the president of Kill Rock Stars, yeah. <laughs> like one, of, one of the coolest labels yeah. that exists. And yes, I would love to have uh, breakfast with you. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I definitely like got that sense of... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, the pup Frank wants out. out. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's definitely like the sense that I get out of that label is it's like very much trying to build like a partnership Mm -hmm. and not trying to make you i don't know not necessarily trying to capitalize on your success but to help it and um so what is that what does that do for you like for the band now like while you're waiting to put out the record you know like is is this the type of thing where you get to quit pouring the tea (laughs) like for Um, yourself and focus more on like the day-to-day of running a, a band that's now like a I guess a business that's it's, a part of a label and whatnot um well <laughs> we definitely can't quit pouring the tea I mean literally I did quit doing that um because I got a different job yeah, <laughs> <for sure. laughs> and it's a remote job that I can do with more freedom but um can't quit that yet like it's you know it takes so long from the point where like like even now it's there's no guarantees that you're ever going to make a living playing music right you just yeah have to love have to love it and so um we have just as much work as we did before in terms of music as well because we have a whole team now but if not more but oh yeah but now we have like different sets of responsibilities and different everything has to kind of be a notch better anyways so i would say um lots more work now (laughs) but uh i guess the goal would be that um if we if once the record's out and we're touring a lot that maybe i could i could be be more free and not have to do that but will will there be touring before the record comes out we will have a small we're gonna do a small tour um in february we're playing Portland. We're playing one show in Portland in January. Okay. Um, it'll be the Folk Fest. Um, oh, right which on. Which will be cool. Yeah. Uh, the Crystal Ball. Yeah. Nice. Um, and yeah, I think we're gonna. It'll still be. It'll still be like the the full band, but we might 
we might folkify it a little bit. I don't know. Or don't. Change it. You know? Well, you know, we <laughs> got to keep things interesting, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, not so much like catering, but just I, I like to tap into different sides of, of the music. And if the environment feels right, like, you know, it's kind of cool and fun to do that. Um, and then in February, at the end of February, we're going to be doing a little run um, around Noise Pop in San Francisco. Nice. Yeah. So is, um, as far as you're talking about kind of changing songs and mm-hmm. in, in specific environments maybe, or is that something you're just like always open to that the song can always evolve in some way and just be down to well, see where else it can go? I, it's so, it's, it's kind of like changes based on the show. You know, there's two sides to it. On the one hand, you want to be like, I'm going to do me, like, and what we were planning on doing, no matter what people in the audience think they want. Like, there's that element of, like, just wanting to be yourself and just, like, like you know, they they're, they don't want a rock band. Well, we are a rock band. Like, that's what we're going to do. Um, so I guess depending on what the audience, like, how the audience is, like, Sometimes if we feel like a little bit stifled, like I would be more likely to have that attitude of like, let's just be us. But sometimes I think there is an opportunity to, um, with, with some of my songs, like, like since so many of them were written, um, just solo guitar, a lot of them really do sound natural, um, in that mode as well. So they just come naturally built in with like folk mode. <laughs> Cause it's just how, like when you're a solo guitar player writing a song, it's, it's just, a, it's just more likely that it'll fit with a folk song, you know? Yeah. And, um, so that mode is just available and it's just a matter of whether we feel like it's creatively what we want to do at that moment. Yeah. You kind of just in the middle of a set, just, Hey, we're going to do, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, call an audible during uh the middle and change change shit up on the fly oh yeah that yeah I, st- that would be cool yeah stuff like that we s- like for example like the song perfect heart which is like total like surf rock sort yeah. of song it's a to- like when i wrote it it's just a total folk song and there was one gig that we we had booked in enterprise where like cooper got sick right before and so he was like i can't play drums this show and we were like okay that's that's cool what we're gonna do this folk set and we had someone in town with an upright so we we're like nevada like get on upright he's like okay we'll play upright for once you know yeah <laughs> and um and so we just did this like total like folk maita set and perfect heart was like one of those songs where it was like this sounds perfect on this <laughs> like this that's is so great. cool <laughs> you know and it's just like another mode of the song where it didn't feel like worse it felt good you know yeah matt's guitar solo on that song on the record is so cool oh cool it's so good nice <laughs> um no, that's that's rad um and i think it's cool to just uh i think there's definitely something to reading the room you know mm-hmm. that balance of mm-hmm. of that thing with the the like i'm gonna play what i want attitude as well because mm-hmm. i don't know even if you were doing like a singer songwriter set you would you know if if shit didn't feel like it was going right, you would probably make an adjustment of like, all right, maybe I should play this song now. Yeah. <laughs> this set's not going where I thought it should. Yeah. Unless it's like, you know, there, unless the audience is just like, well, you know, if it's, if 
I guess if you feel really strongly about something, you should do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't skip the most important song in the set to you. <laughs> like, if you're like, oh, this audience seems kind of conservative, like, that's, you should probably play all your least conservative songs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, uh, I appreciate the tunes quite a bit. Cool. Dig what you're doing. Thank you. Um, have you, I know you, you did like a recent tour run. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've been doing a lot with this band or what? Yeah, we've since started. you've started? It seems like, it just seems like you, this band has picked up momentum quickly. Is that fair to say? Um, with like the first EP only being released a couple years ago? I guess so. I, it's so hard to know what's normal. Yeah. Um, and... You know, I guess I was I've been playing these songs for a little while, like before that before the EP was out, there was two years of recording and, and touring and playing so- playing those songs. Just as, a as duo. like a duo. Yeah. Okay. And then um and so like it's but I I guess it is quick, you know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe quick from the time that you started playing as a band yeah. and putting out like the Waterbury EP, but yeah. not quick in the sense that you have been putting in this work doing Mm -hmm. all like all these duo shows and like developing as a songwriter over the years and i guess i'll say that like our portland like because we were doing a lot of touring before and it wasn't necessarily like it was just like west coast runs but it was like every month or like every other like every five weeks or something we would go on the road again somewhere we were going to europe a lot um i felt like we weren't really putting in a lot of time in portland like in our community and that like putting out the Waterbury EP and everything that happened since then also signifies like the time where we really started to do that more. And I really I'm a firm believer of the fact that like, yeah, you can just like touring is so important. I'm really like I wouldn't have wanted to do it any other way. I'm so glad that like I spent like I had like Matthew and I played so many shows and a lot of some good shows and a lot of like mediocre shows and like really learned how to how to play songs and be on the road um, and not be disappointed <laughs> by a mediocre show. Yeah. But I am such a firm believer in being part of a community. And like, I think that's really what changed is us deciding like, we're going to be in Portland. Like we're going to like, like go to shows and play shows. And you know, that like just within like a year of deciding to do that, I guess that's the quickest, like, that was where we really felt like, wow, this did gain a lot of momentum quickly from the moment we decided to be in Portland to like now it, it really felt like a a big jump. Yeah. But you're like all in on the cruising in the van all day and sleeping on floors and all that fun stuff. Oh yeah. I have a really good like mattress, like a air blow up mattress. It's it's really good. It's from next adventure. (laughs) It's like better than my bed. (laughs) That's killer. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that also just like teaches you to deal with like all the variables mm-hmm. of a show mm-hmm. to like all the things that can go wrong, go wrong. Right. I feel like on, on a tour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. For sure. Uh, like we've dealt with 
lots of stuff going wrong. And also just like stuff not being really right to begin with. Like, you know, showing up to a place and it's like you're you don't you don't have a stage, you don't have a, a an audience that wants to hear you. Yeah. It's just like you were and it was never gonna like you're just trying to make something go right. Like you're just trying to be right. like we're trying to win over like two people or we're yeah. trying to, you know, make none some amount of, these, of tips. <laughs> yeah. None of these people came here to listen to music. Yeah. They didn't want music here. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, well, that's rad. I'm. It's crazy that this record doesn't come out for like five more months or yeah, so. Yeah, we started the the pre order real early. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm stoked that I got the the secret preview. Oh yeah. And I will definitely be definitely be listening to it a lot. But in can't blame a kid is mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. We featured that at the beginning of the uh, the episode, and mm-hmm. there's a video for that mm-hmm. that you like created and conceptualized yeah that that whole thing yeah that was fun um that was a funny thing too like we weren't planning on doing a video for that and then um i think like a week or, or a week and a half before the song was supposed to come out or two weeks like slim was like well we should have some kind of video content and i was like i want to make a music video you know like, <laughs> let's just do an actual music video in two weeks like and I planned for a week and then I just shot it in a couple hours. So it worked out. Do you dig doing like all the other creative stuff that goes along with, you know, creating like an aesthetic and like video content for the band and st- things like that? I actually really do love music videos. Um, and I'm, I'm, I like like, l- like creating visual content too. I used to, I would do that a lot cause I was an art major and I like the InDesign stuff. Like, I, I did that all the time, like making all the internet banners and stuff. And we actually have someone on our team who does that now. And that's one of the things where I'm like really happy to surrender that away. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like one of those moments where I'm like, all right, this is something I don't have to do anymore. <laughs> you can do this for, for me. Thank you. You um, can figure out these Instagram posts. You're better at it than me. You're faster at it than me. Like, why don't you do it? Yeah, that's and, very cool. And that's been really nice. Um, I, yeah, I weirdly like really like music videos. Um, I don't know why. It's like bite-sized like bite-sized cinema, you know. It's, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's some look in usually to the people or person that's making mm-hmm. the music, I mm-hmm. guess. And yeah, it's always it's always cool to see that kind of storyline unfold mm-hmm. or even something like as simple as the Can't Blame a Kid yeah. video. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um is there going to be more singles that will roll out then Yeah, we're throughout gonna, the year? We're going to do another single um, in February. All right. Yes. Look out for it, people. Yeah. Look out for it because this record is so cool and it's so rad. Um, but the Waterberry EP is available for folks to go listen to as well as uh, Can't Blame a Kid and Japanese Waitress, which we featured earlier on the podcast. Um we're going to play it out with Geography, which is off the Waterbear EP, and a very beautiful song. Definitely my favorite off of uh, off of that collection of tunes. Um, is that another one of those songs that has just been like around for you since you started getting serious about writing tunes? Yeah, that song is pretty old now at this point. It's, um, yeah, it must be like, 
God, I don't even want to say how old that song <laughs> is. <laughs> I definitely wrote it in college. Do some of the songs off of uh, off the new record also go back pretty far? Off the Best Wishes? Yeah. Um, or has that stuff all been developed post uh, Water Bear? I would say the mo- the oldest songs. Um, on that album there are a couple that are a little bit older than like like water bearer is the newest song on on water bearer yeah (laughs) there's a couple that are a little bit older than that but for the most part they're they're more recent for sure Mm -hmm. um we end every episode of the podcast with the guest uh saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program it's a program yep you're already doing it so if we get your it's a program we can properly uh sail this thing out all right it's a program you nailed it uh thanks so much for hanging out and talking to me about your music thanks thanks dan yeah absolutely uh we're playing it out with geography off the Waterbury ep and i will put all the links in the episode notes so you can follow along with maita and what is happening with the band stay tuned for that new record best wishes it is a killer and that is the jelly jams we will catch you on the flip side portland my shaky feet they don't walk so neat in the morning and my jaded eyes they don't see so fine when i first wake up And my soul mind takes all kinds of time getting ready Oh my little life, well I don't think twice It comes so easy But lovers swear to me you've never felt it till you have a life that isn't Secrets given to a Another pair of hands With knowledge of your body But I'm not one for geography I'm always getting lost Please don't take me for a fool Don't take me for a
that isn't yours but those you well your secrets given to a another pair of hands with knowledge of your body but i'm not one for geography i'm always getting lost please don't take me for a It's a program.